0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger. I'm glad you could join us here. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that might be mountain challenged. And today we're going to do our shipping report. We'll tell you what's going on here at Dan's Fish. We have an exciting giveaway to tell you about, the Diamond Tetra. We'll get into that in a bit. And then we'll get to your questions and comments and just have a geek out session where we all nerd out. About aquariums and aquarium fish together, so that should be fun. Thanks for being here, I appreciate it, folks. Um, I guess I should say that this uh, January shirt, the guppy, is going away soon. What is it, the 18th? So there's one more week. Is that right? Oh, you've got loads of time. You got two more weeks. Never mind. <laughs> Plenty time to get the guppy T-shirt. All right, we'll we'll. Do that next week then all right let's get to the uh the the shipping report for those that might be new every week we tell you how shipping went Uh, dancefish.com we sell fish online and to get them to our customers we ship them we use ups next day air and every week we get up here live in front of the public and tell you how that went the reason we do that is we think it's important to be transparent we have processes and procedures and things A different way of doing this than most places and the results are pretty good and we claim those results all the time we're like hey this is how successful we are but we want it to be transparent and we want to do it live in front of the public so that you know it's true if we were fibbing or not telling the whole truth or whatever and there were tons of problems and all that anyone live could come on in the comments and say actually Dan's lying to you because he's not telling you about all these problems I had, right? The reason we do this is we just want uh, to have a transparent relationship with our customers, basically. So we start each week off with a bit of a bummer, which is a shipping report, where we uh, tell you how many fish were lost during shipping, how many fish died during transit to our customers, or arrived, you know, in such bad shape that that they died a few days later, things like that. and. We just want you to know that we're really doing what we tell you we're doing. And so that's why we do this. And also, I think there's a bit of a, I mean obviously there's a concern when people buy fish online, like how likely are they to arrive in good shape, are they all going to die during transit, like is is that cruel to the fish, all those things. So I think it helps doing this for people to see behind the scenes of what happens. Um, so that people can be confident to order fish online, because it's so counterintuitive to do that. So that's why we do these shipping reports every week. So let's get going. This week is a bit of a doozy. We had, and I'll go into why in a bit, but we had higher losses than usual. For the year we're now at 98.98% success, so just shy of less than 1% having a problem, which is always our goal. But the good news is that our six-month total is 99.6% success rate. Better than, you know, more than 99% successful. Less than 1% have problems. So what that means is as we moved into this warehouse and as we've gone on throughout the year, we've gotten better at shipping fish. So, So that's good. So those are the reports. Um, there were very few issues uh, platinum half-beak, a platinum half beak, a red tailed eel, and a couple of Aves Creek bosmones, with the exception of the pygmy quarries. What happened is we shipped out pygmy quarries and we didn't realize till later that there was something going on in that tank. And this can happen. In fact, The majority of the problems we have are when there's an issue that's hiding, right? Not every time a fish has an illness will you know. They're really good at masking problems. We're really careful. We try to unmask them. (laughs) We try to do everything we can to never send a fish out that's compromised. But every now and then we'll send fish out from an aquarium and... They'll seem fine to us, but then a few customers will reply and be like, hey, these aren't doing well. And we'll be like, that's weird. They're doing fine for us here. But when multiple customers tell you that, you know there's probably a problem with with that tank, the fish that you pulled, whichever aquarium you pulled the fish from. The fish in that tank probably have a problem. And it's just not manifesting until they go through shipping. And then the stress of shipping makes the problem become manifest. And what, what often happens in those cases is a few days after the customers report the problem, then we'll start seeing issues in our tank. So it's like there's a problem of brewing, but it's not manifesting yet. The shipping makes it manifest, and then what was going to become manifest eventually uh, shows up in our tank as well. Every now and then that happens. In this case, that happened with the tank of pygmy quarries we were sending out. Everyone seemed fine, we shipped them and all that. Had a few reports that there were issues, we're like, oh, we shouldn't ship from that tank anymore, but we'd already shipped several. And now we're just starting to see a few issues in that tank. So I think that's happened three or four times throughout this year. Uh, The pygmy quarries, it happened to a tank of those. It happened to one of our tanks of Kalitawa. It happened to one of our tanks of Corridor's Elegans. There was a tank of Celestial Pearl Danios at one point. I'm thinking throughout the last year, so I'm going on memory here. That happened to, there was a tank of spot fin um, hatchet fish that that happened to. That might be it. So over the course of the year, um, maybe, what was that, five? Maybe five instances. That's where the majority of the losses come from. It's very rare to have any losses in a situation where there's not a problem of brewing and we know that because we know there's not a problem because let's say we send a fish out to ten people on a Monday ten people order this fish we send it out one person lets us know hey I had a problem with one or two of these no one else had a problem it's like okay that's that's probably a one-off and also, if, if a couple weeks go by and our fish haven't started showing any problems, then it's like, okay, that was a one-off. Something weird happened during shipping or um, while I was preparing the fish or catching the fish for shipping, I, I accidentally did something to it. You know, that's a very rare instance. The vast majority of the problems come when, uh, when the fish are starting to have an illness, but it's too early in the illness cycle for them to show any symptoms. And that's, that's what happened in this case with these pygmy quarries. The good news is we have a different aquarium with pygmy quarries in it. They're doing great, so we can still sell pygmy quarries. We just have to draw from a different uh, batch, a different tank of them that is not having any problems. So that's kind of what happens a lot of times here. Well, I, w- I shouldn't say a lot of times. It's like you know, right around 1% of the time, give or take. But that tends to be, we've noticed that trend and that that's when the majority of the cases happen. So, for the last six months, doing really well, for the year, doing really well, but um, it, it shows that we've still got a little bit of work to do, although looks like we're getting better because the last six months are better than if we take the year as a whole. So, so that's encouraging in a way. Um, it's been, <laughs> I know last week I told you I was tired and the week before I was tired. Today, I'm really tired. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why and then we'll get to the giveaway. So it has been a roller coaster here the last week since we last talked. After the live stream last week, we saw that every fish we had shipped out that day, Wednesday, had been delayed. There was a mechanical failure at some point in the UPS route, and so the fish had all been delayed. So of course you're thinking, oh this is not going to be good, right? This is, this is not fun. And that is the shipment that we had to the majority of those uh, pygmy quarry problems. And we had to cut one or two other problems but that was about it. So delays Wednesday, the fish don't arrive till Friday. So, so that's a bummer, right? If you're a customer and you're expecting the fish to arrive on Thursday because they should get to you the next day, and then you get a notice that says, oh, they're arriving Friday now. That's just a bummer, I get it. Not only are you worried about your fish's health now, but maybe you took work off so you could accept the fish. Maybe you, you, know, you scheduled your whole week so that it could happen on Thursday, and then they get delayed. The good news is large-scale delays like this, where like the entire everything we sent gets delayed, only happen maybe two or three times a year. It's not a common occurrence. In one-off delays, where most things go but a box somehow gets delayed, it's also not a common occurrence at all. So it doesn't happen often. But it happened on Wednesday. So then you have to, all that work of, you know, adjusting to that, contacting all the customers and all that. So that, so that was a bit of a bummer. But the good news is, uh, apart from what I told you, I think the, there was a platinum half-beak and the uh, pygmy quarries on that shipment, I believe was the issue. Everything else arrived in good shape and we sent tons of fish. Like we, we were sending lots and lots of fish. Enough that there's six of us packing full time, coming in early and going hard all day to fill all the boxes and get them out. So, so out of lots and lots of fish, there were losses and more than usual, but still, that's still a small amount. But anyway, that's a bummer. We had to work through that. Then um, on Monday we were expecting a shipment of fish to come in. Monday's crazy busy as well. We're all getting and we got here early. We packed all day. And we luckily we had someone who uh, could drive up to Billings for us and get the fish, which is awesome. So we didn't have to do that. We could keep packing. So they drove up to Billings. They got to Billings, and then they found out that uh, the plane had been rerouted. So the plane that was delivering our import to our airport could not land. Uh, There was this freak weather thing where a ton of fog descended, no one could see, all the flights to that airline were canceled for that night. So they couldn't come in and they couldn't come in on the later flight that night either. What also happened is all the fish that we had been packing all day we took up to UPS those all got delayed too because the airplane that flies from here to the UPS hub could not land at the UPS hub because that was fogged in. So (laughs) Monday was quite a day. Work hard all day, get here early, go hard just to get all these things packed into the airport or to UPS on time, get them to UPS, come back and then get a call from UPS that says, actually these aren't going to go anywhere because... uh, no, the flight is not leaving they're nice though we have a great relationship with our, our local UPS office they let us know this because they know that if the fish sit out in the cold that there could be problems so they stayed open for us so we could go up get all the fish that night bring them back here keep them in our nice climate controlled warehouse and keep tabs on them um, so they weren't just stuck out in some cold warehouse or or out on a tarmac or something So that was good. So keep in mind those losses I told you about, um, that includes all the delays from Wednesday, all the fish that were delayed last Wednesday, which was every shipment, and all the fish that were delayed this Monday, which is every shipment. So when you take into account the fact that two entire shipments (laughs) experienced delays, then, uh, then I think it's actually pretty impressive when you think about it that we had as few losses as we did. I still feel really bad for, about for one customer, though. I, I think they ordered like 14 Pygmy Corys. Some of them arrived dead, and then the rest you know, passed away uh, within a few days. So that, that's a bad, bad situation. No, I think it was 12. I think they ordered 12. Um, so that one situation was the majority of it. Besides that, there were two other pygmy quarries, the half-beak, the red-tailed eel, and, and two Aves Creek rainbows. So, um, but, again, that was in a situation where lots of orders were delayed. So, not good, but pretty darn good considering how many fish we ship. Okay, so so Monday is exhausting. <laughs> We're like, there's no way these fish are going to make it. Luckily, I'm able to get a hold of the uh, cargo manager in Salt Lake City, where the fish were rerouted to, Talk to him about the situation. And he was like, okay, I'll make sure they're kept in a warm room. Um, I'll make sure that, you know, we, we do our best to do that for you. And we'll get them out to you first thing in the morning. I was like, okay, great. So our driver heads back. We have to go out of state to pick these up. We're in Sheridan, Wyoming. The airport we pick these fish up for this import is in Billings, Montana. It's a couple hours, but there's tons of fog and ice, so it's more like a four hour drive, three, four hour drive. So our driver the next morning gets up early and goes back up to Billings on Tuesday to get the fish. Grateful for her for doing that. We're packing all the fish for Tuesday. Um, I. I'm tracking the shipment very carefully. It says that the plane has left Salt Lake. This is Tuesday morning. I'm like, yay, our fish are in the air. And then like half an hour later, I get a notice that, oh, they pulled our cargo before the plane left Salt Lake because the plane was overweight. Um, due to all the flights being delayed the night before, there were m- the tons of passengers getting on that plane with all their luggage. So they, they did not have any uh, spare room or spare weight room. Uh, for our cargo so they took it off the plane right before the plane left so we're it's thinking the plane's on its way the driver's driven almost all the way to Billings and then <laughs> and so I call the cargo manager I'm like what's going on he's like yeah they had to pull it it was overweight I was like oh so then the driver has to come back so that's that's two trips to the airport to get the fish now right two failed trips we pack up all, all day do all that The next flight that they're gonna come in is 6 p.m. yesterday, that's Tuesday, so we... But the driver can't do it at that time. They're occupied with other things, they have other jobs, They, they couldn't do it, so... We get assurance that the plane is actually gonna take off with our cargo. I start driving to Billings and the cargo manager promises me that if they don't get on the plane, he'll call me as soon as he knows. So, uh, so I don't have to drive all the way to Billings just to find out they're not there. Like if I'm only half an hour down the road, and he calls, that's much better than three hours or four hours down the road because it's icy and foggy, um, so it's slow going. So, get to Billings. The uh, cargo has arrived. We're able to pick it up, bring it back, take care of it. So, um, we. Stayed up late, you know, taking care of all the fish. Got that all done, thankfully. And uh, thankfully there were not as many losses as we expected. It wasn't good, but there were less losses than we expected. So that was good. It wasn't good, but that was good. That doesn't make any sense. It wasn't as bad as we thought. (laughs) Let's put it that way. So that happens, and then today was... I think the largest shipping day of the year. I think we had more boxes going out today than we've had the rest of the year. Because this was like, okay, we finished this, we're finally out of the holiday crunch, right? So we all come in today, we take care of all that, we get it out, and so far, it looks like everything's in route. So two to three times a year this happens. It looks like, in since we talked last Wednesday, the year has taken its quota. It's been twice. Maybe there'll be one more at some point. In the next 12 months but uh, they can't do much more to us because they they filled their quota early (laughs) so there shouldn't be any more problems is the way I'm looking at it so needless to say it's been an adventure here everyone's tired no one's well we're all a little grumpy but you know it's a good tight team everyone's pulling together to make all this happen but uh, man it's been a roller coaster between the notifications that hey every Box you shipped is going to be delayed a day to the hey, your import didn't arrive. I, I know your driver just drove, you know, I think it was three and a half hours to get there because of the slow roads. Yeah. So, whew, not fun. So, when I say I'm tired, I always mean it when I say that. Today, I really mean it. So, it's going to be interesting. We're going to see how well my brain keeps up. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, filter. My filter's probably gone because I'm really tired. There's going to be a lot of Freudian slips, I can almost guarantee. So we'll see what I jumble here. It's going to be interesting. I do want to say, though, not only did the team packing the fish and everything roll with the punches really well. They're awesome. But I, I our, cus- our customer service representative, let's say, Johnny, um, was on it. I think he took care of everyone. I think everyone was informed right away whenever... The moment we found out anything was happening was delayed or whatever, he was on it. I, I think that uh, he does a great job. So was it painful? Yes. But it was a lot less painful than I think it would be if, uh, if Johnny wasn't on it. So thanks to Johnny. So after that week, I'll get to the giveaway in just a moment. After that, it was awesome today. To We're all tired. It's the end of the day. We check our reviews, and despite all those massive delays, we had lots of great reviews come. So, this is the one I read to the team uh, at the end of the day today when we were all just exhausted. I was like, okay, I know it's been a hard week. I get it. Called a quick team meeting. So, I'm going to read you a review. So here's what I read the team. Unbelievable! I will not purchase fish online from anyone else. I purchased 48 plus fish, tetras, barbs, and corys, and each fish was individually double bagged with ample water and oxygen, shipped across the U.S. in January to the northeast. The care of packaging and the extra layers of heat packs to create a stable environment was impressive. All arrived alive and active, they are all doing great and acclimated well dan's definitely cares as much as i do about the health and safety of the fish which is paramount to me from my 50 plus years so this person knows what they're talking about from my 50 plus years of experience in the hobby dan's is simply the best at in the industry so it was kind of thank you to whoever left that because we used it after a really long week of a lot of ups and downs to like just check in and realize hey despite all this We still did a good job. So it was nice to be able to read that to the team. So, thank you. Um, So anyway, that's my state of mind. (laughs) I do want to reassure folks that delays are super rare. And delays where everything we ship out is very, very, super, super rare. So, it's not going to be a regular occurrence. But it did happen this week, and it happened twice. It was a double whammy. So tomorrow we aren't shipping any more fish so we can all kind of breathe catch up on the stuff that we couldn't do because we've been so slammed last week and uh we're looking forward to just like you know scrubbing some tanks doing some uh low risk (laughs) low risk stuff so anyway that's been our week it's been it's been crazy So let's get to the giveaway. We're going to give away some diamond Tetras here. Diamond Tetras are super cool. And ours are just getting big enough to start showing the diamonds. These nice diamond scales is what they're known for. Look at this. There's a grandpa one here somewhere that has, oh, yeah, look at this. All those long extensions on the fins, diamond speckling. That's old man diamond Tetra right there. Look at that. So, really neat fish. Interesting story in the wild. They, uh, I think they thought they were extinct for a while. And then they found a small population in like a man-made little, I don't know if it was a cistern or or what kind of little thing. And so they found some more. But it's it's a very endangered fish in the wild, if not basically extinct in the wild. And I think that's due to habitat destruction. Most of the issues we have with fish in the wild going extinct is from habitat destruction if they're freshwater fish it's usually not over collection for the pet trade or anything can happen but very very rarely very occasionally almost always it's habitat destruction so rare little fish in the wild common in the hobby though this has been a well-loved fish for decades and decades it's hardy it's beautiful and so it's it's one that will probably persist just because there's high demand for it in our industry, so there's a lot of fish farms breeding it, so even though, it's kinda of like the white cloud mountain minnow in that way, even though it's uh, extinct or rare, or, or almost extinct in the wild, um, it'll probably keep going, at least for a while, in the in our trade. Anyway, if you want to win some Diamond Tetras, enter hashtag a girl's best friend in chat, that's hashtag A-G-I-R-L-S B-E-S-T-F-R-I-E-N-D. No uh, no spaces, caps don't matter, and there's no possessive, no apostrophe. Apostrophes are redacted. So just a girl's best friend, hashtag a girl's best friend. And we'll get you some diamonds. All right. With that, now you all know what's going on in my neck of the woods. I want to find out what's going on in your neck of the woods. So... Let's get to your questions in comments. Before we do, as always, I want to thank my moderators. They volunteer their time every week to keep this stream running smoothly. I want to thank them. What am I doing? I'm sharing the wrong screen. <laughs> I want to thank them for doing that and just let them know that they're appreciated and, uh, and their service is noted. All right, with that, Let's get to... Oh, I missed a couple things. Hey, Carol Cox became a new member. Thank you, Carol. We appreciate you joining the Fishmonger crew. Welcome. Leo209Aquatics. This is why I love the quality you send. You guys do the right thing and won't sell more until you find the problem. Here, take my money, ordering soon. Thank you, Leo. Yeah, I mean, we we do our best to not have problems. Every now and then we miss one, though. As soon as we know, we, we do try to correct it, so yeah well thanks for noticing (laughs) killers aquatics and reptiles hang in there dan and crew oh we are i think tomorrow after a good night's sleep uh and without the stress of shipping and delays and all that looming on our shoulders at least for the next few days uh i think we'll all bounce right back it's it's good though this is definitely a stress test right you know when you put someone through a, a stress test to find out how well does their heart function or whatever it's, it's good to go through these because then we see, A, how well do our processes and procedures function when there's problems. And B, it's just awesome when this happens to see how, how the whole team responds. Uh, you know, we all just gang up together to solve the problem and keep pushing on. So it's great. No one screamed and yelled at anyone. No one had a meltdown. No one blamed anything on anyone else you know, knowing how to pity party. It's, it's a good team. So despite all that, or, you know, because of that situation, just seeing how well everyone handled it. Uh, yeah, just have the best people. I'm really thrilled. Kelly Foreman, here's to a better week for the fishmonger crew. Yeah, next week will be better. We've just decided. We've told the universe next week's gonna be better. <laughs> Statistically, it has to be. Because we already had our two massive delays for the entire year. That's done. (laughs) Chris Resker. um, Oh, it won't let me see yours, Chris. Well, I'm sorry, Chris. I can't see your question or your comment. It just won't show it. So if there was one, sorry, I missed it. If there wasn't, hello, and thanks for being a member. Okay, scrolling up now to get to questions and comments. Patricia, things will get better. Oh, I know. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, even though it went sideways on us, the success rate was still it was bad for us, but for the industry it was phenomenal. So, you know, it's still okay. Koro works. I mean, if it was normal I wouldn't make such it wouldn't make such a good story. Yeah, that's true. Gotta have your war stories, right? Daniel Placostomus. What would that even look like if you took a Danio in a Plecostomus, and, and and they had a baby. <laughs> Would that just be a really fast placostomus that darts around? You guys are great, but you can't control the weather or airplanes. Yeah, we, we try. We do look at the weather very carefully, uh, every order. We know your temperature, we know your weather. It's all typed out on the order form On the before we uh, pack the fish. We, we know what we're doing there, but you know, not even weather.com knows everything. And the freak fog is what we didn't know. The Fish Guy 5. Can you do a long update on the hovering zebra loaches? I, there's not a lot to update on them. Um, they're doing fantastic. They, I don't think there's any issues. They were early, early on when we first got them, but they've long since recovered. They're eating well. They're hearty. They're fat. They're happy. They're active. Um, I don't think they're gonna be a difficult fish to keep. They eat everything we throw in the tank. So they're doing pretty well. Chevy fish Lincoln, our store. If you're in the market for some fish, dancefish.com, we've got plenty. Hey Danny, have you ever heard of an axoaddle? Yeah, I know about axolotls. Uh The salamander that you can chop its leg off and it grows back. They maintain gills their entire life even when they're adults sometimes <laughs> like yeah interesting interesting critter and i do like them i think they're fascinating i have never kept one but i think they're a cool critter maybe one day one day i will graduate to the level where i can keep an axolotl spinster sister when will you restock the blue coral platies? i think we can probably do that tomorrow johnny the issue is, I have to check the sexes, I think we might be just about out of females. So we tried to sell more or less pairs, you know, evenly sexed, more or less. And uh, we've discovered now, as we look at the tank, the last few pairs we've pulled that it was kind of hard to, to do that because we were running low on females. So we, have, we still have a, several of them, but I don't think we're going to be able to get pairs anymore. Although there might be one or two females left, we have to check. Chevy Fish saying, you are very welcome, Dan. Well, thank you again, Chevy. You and the other moderators. uh, Really appreciate it. Random Arms. If you have a question or comment you'd like to see an address, please tag him with at DanceFish or just DanceFish so he sees it. Yep, if you do that, it turns bright orange for me. So as I'm scrolling through here, I'm looking for these bright orange things to comment, to respond to, right? So, oh, shoot. It just jumped. Okay, chat just jumped. You just saw that, probably. So here, let me get... Scrolling up to where it jumped to. And the next one I can see is Chonsworth. Hello, Chonsworth. Hope you're doing well. Any advice on making archerfish fat and sassy? Would they appreciate higher or lower flow? I'm going to say moderate flow, where there's... The water's moving a bit, but they aren't working hard. So where they're from, a lot of archer fish, I'm not sure about the Burmese clouded archer fish, but most archer fish come from estuaries. So they're in this tidal zone. So the tide's always coming in or going out. So they're always swimming against some current. But it's not massive current all the time. Sometimes it is and they have to be able to deal with that. So, But I've also seen archer fish come, now that I think about it, come from swamps and things. There was a, a collection trip fairly recently, within the past few years, where they went to collect, what was their target species? I think it was a threadfin rainbow of some location. And I believe this was Hans George Evers went on this trip. That's where they found the, um, oh, it was biru. Yes. I believe this is correct. I believe this is the swamp where they found Melanitania, um, Rubrostriata from biru. So in that same swamp, they also found some threadfin rainbows. It was a blackwater swamp, super acidic water. Guess what else they found there? Archerfish and not freshwater archerfish. They found your, your normal, uh, Toxotis, the one that starts with J, is it Jocular or Joculari, um, whatever the normal one is, banded archer fish or whatever they call it. It's supposed to only be in brackish estuary type environments. This was in a blackwater swamp, low pH, very soft water. So they can be kind of adaptable, in that case, no flow. So what I would say is a moderate flow. I wouldn't make them work real hard. It would be nice if the tank was long enough and you had the flow set up in such a way that in one section, maybe about a quarter of the tank, there was decent flow, but if they got out of that, at the far end of the tank, they don't even have to work at all, and then they have the gradient in between. So if they want to swim, they can. If they want to chill, they can. That's probably, oh, excuse me. That's probably what I would look for. Different zones, I guess, so they can choose what they want to do. And maybe based on that, based on what you observe, you can tweak it. If they're always in the higher flow, maybe you're like, hey, maybe I'll do a little more flow. If they're always in the non-flow area, you're like, hey, I'd better take this down a bit. But in my experience, I have a lot of bubbles going on one side of the tank, just in one corner, cranking pretty hard. So right over there, they get decent flow. And then the rest of the tank, you know, fairly moderate. I see someone sending a, a message to Kelly Foreman saying, I hope you get better. hope you feel better. So me too. Kelly, if you're feeling out of sorts, I hope you up real soon all right Montana AIDS what has your experiences with the dwarf blue Congo cichlids been like um comparable with the behavior of Kerbensis yeah I mean the nanochromis yes of any other type of cichlid I've kept I would say they're closest to like a Pelvicachromis. Uh, yeah yeah I think if you think Kerbensis, you're not going to go wrong. Lisa Rice. Have you ever heard of Celestial Eye Goldfish? Yes. Some people call them Bubble Eye Goldfish, the big ones. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I tend not to keep those, specifically the ones, any species of goldfish, with like the big distended eyes. Just because I feel like there would be a high probability of injury. Fish eyes get injured commonly enough without bulging out so big or being on those big things. So um, so for me, I just wouldn't want to increase that chance by dealing with that fish. I just think the eyes would get injured all the time. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't. If you love them and you've got a place you can get good ones at, I mean, go for it. To each their own. But to me, I'd be always worried about their eyes getting injured especially during the shipping process and all that. I'm a business, right, so I'd have to get them, and so I'd be afraid they'd be damaged uh, in transport to me, and then i have to ship them to you, so then I'd be afraid they would get damaged in shipment to you. So, now I don't have a lot of experience with them. Maybe I'm totally wrong, maybe the eyes are like, you know, super strong, like steel bullets, but I doubt it, I bet they'd easily get injured. So I know that fish, um, I've even sold it a few times at pet stores I used to work at that used to carry them, but I've, I've never kept them. Sean Lancaster, I got a new 29-gallon, now that just sounds like happiness to me. Unlimited possibility is what a, a new tank is, and I was thinking of trying out Gardener Achilles, yes, a favorite of yours I know. Could they go in a community tank, any advice, don't care too much about breeding, yes. I've kept Gardner fish in lots of community aquariums. It can, it's just fine. I find they do really well with, like, platys, for example, I have the right temperament for them. But they can go with lots of things. They'll eat small fish if they can fit in their mouth, so beware of that. They will shred the fins of really long-finned fish. I wouldn't put them with, like, a half-moon betta or long-finned guppies, guppies with super long tails, you know, anything like that. But with your average normal community fish, I think they would generally be fine. They jump, though, so whatever you do, tight-fitting lid. Got's to have a tight-fitting lid. Okay, I'm scrolling because chat jumped. Again! Foxy's fitches, let us know when you're ready for an axolotl. We have big spawns of leucistic axolotls right now. Oh, that's awesome, Foxy. I mean, maybe one day I I could try them. I'm not ready yet, though. I mean, we've done the shrimp and the snails, and now we're starting the plants. Like, I I can't start with too many things at once, but there might be a time when I could try an axolotl. I, I do think they're awesome. Am I right, though, that you can't keep groups of them together? Are they mean to each other? Is that correct? I, I haven't researched them in years. I could be totally conflating them with something else. But is that correct? You can't really keep them together? Joyce Brown, are you able to get any L-181 Peppermint Bristlenose Plecos? Um, not at the moment from a supplier that I would get them from. Uh, they are on certain lists, if I remember right. Yeah, I think the 181 But I'm pretty picky about where I get my Plecos, so not yet from a Saurus that I'm comfortable buying them from. Oh, speaking of awesome Plecos, can I show, did I put it, where is this? I think I can show you this. The L519s have grown up enough that they are absolutely stunning. I, I highly recommend them and i want to sh- see if i can show you a picture l119 or 519 i think i should where did i put that the... so we backed some up recently to sell them and they've grown so much and matured so much that they just look fantastic oh i don't have it here at hand i'll, I'll have to do it another time but i don't think i've actually even I think I took that picture, but I don't think I've loaded it in or anything yet. Um, but that is a good looking fish, the L519. I don't think, I think our picture, I'm going to go to a dance fish, quick field trip, L519. I think our picture was from when they were quite young, yeah. So these are little, but you can already see the kind of honeycomb pattern coming in. What happens when they get older is it just gets bolder and bolder and more distinct. Which is great because there are certain species of Plecos that as they grow, the, uh, the cool colors and patterns and stuff kind of fade. These seem to be that as they grow, it gets more intense and the orange gets better and better. So, really like those a lot. Okay, Alishan, AS. I have the lake inlay, hovering loaches, easy to keep, as I assume the zebras are, and they are easily breeding outside in tubs. Oh, good. That's good to know. Which one's the lake inlay? Um, Lake inlay, hovering loach. Which one is that? Oh, Brevis. Yes. Yes, very similar. Very similar to the ones we have. I think you're. I'm glad to hear they're breeding for you. That's pretty awesome. Lisa Rice, have you ever? Yes, I've heard of Celestial Eye goldfish. Oh, that's interesting. Not Stephen P. Not Stephen P. Two thousand three Aquatics. Um, oh, now it shows me. It didn't show up for a while there. It says a tip for the next Olympics: screaming, yelling, and drama do make for very popular content. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, says our video editor. <laughs> um, I always hate the fake... Dra- okay, so my background, right, is the entertainment industry. I can spot fake acting and all that from a mile away. One thing I always hated about... I really tried to like the show Tanked. Um, I wanted to like it so bad, but one thing I hated... Is when they had that fake drama they'd always have some scripted thing where they were trying to make it seem as if there was drama and they're such bad actors they're not actors at all that they couldn't pull it off every time I was like oh come on that's not real like none of this is real <laughs> so we can do some like soap opera y taint style really fake drama for you but we like to keep our drama on the stage. Not in the warehouse. Sniffin' poots. (laughs) Say that ten times fast. Just recently received some rice fish eggs from Japan. Any advice on hatching them successfully? Yeah, they're they're actually fairly easy. Just treat them like killifish eggs. Um, Well, I'm assuming you've bred killifish, apparently. So, yes, I would... Just keep them in aged, gassed-off, stable, dechlorinated water. Maybe change the water in the container once a day or so, just so so it doesn't go stagnant and they should hatch within about, well if they came from Japan, maybe you have seven days left. I don't know. Somewhere around, I don't know, a couple weeks incubation time total, depending on temperature. I hope they do well for you and I hope they grow into stunning rice fish that you breed and, and sell to me because it's hard to get high quality. We're getting more, but man, when you look at what they've got over in Japan, it's like koi, right? They just do it better in Japan. There's, that's where it originated, and for a long time, it was hard to get certain types of koi here because they cherished those, they still do, I guess. Rice fish is kind of the same, and, and I'm no blame to Japan. If I was working hard to develop this cool thing, I wouldn't want the competition somewhere else taking them and running with it, right? So, I I get why they're doing it, but very slowly varieties of rice fish, of Madaka rice fish, are kind of leaking out to the U.S. and we're able to get some. Every now and then a new new variety arrives. But nothing like the quality you see from the breeders over there. So, I'd love to get more types in... And higher quality rice fish it's just going to take time we're going to have to we're going to have to it's going to have to become a thing just like show breeding guppies or show breeding koi or whatever um, that people get into and then just focus on quality that's what it's going to take but i'm excited you got some i hope they do well coral works remember it's a dan's fish not at dan's fish because dan is not fish dan doesn't fit Danzen fish. I don't know. I think I part fish sometimes. Mr. B's CPDs picked up some really nice looking Madagascar rainbows today. Awesome. Am my LFS excited to start breeding them? Understand they're in trouble in the wild. Oh yeah, big trouble. I think every freshwater fish species in Madagascar is in trouble. It's just the nature of that particular stretch of land. But that's awesome. I hope they do well for you. I hope you breed a ton and that's one I would love to buy. I'd love to buy that one from a hobbyist breeder. In fact, quick, quick public service announcement. Um, We love buying fish from hobbyists. If you're a fish breeder and you have extra fish, hello at dancefish.com is our email. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. And we kind of need to buy in quantity and it helps if there's several varieties of fish available at the same time in decent quantity to make it all worth it but we we love to buy fish from hobbyists we pay 25 percent of the retail price landed that's what we can do well hello piper glad you could join us i i i i'm curious what kind of fish you have piper i'm assuming if you're here you keep fish if so let me know what kind i would love to know Hello. Hope you're doing well. Can you get in Sudadanio, rubellus? Yes, they're on the lists. I've ordered them several times. So far, they have not arrived, but I'll keep trying. I do love Sudadanios of all stripes. You have to be super. I have to be super careful where I get them from, though, because they're one of the most delicate fish to import, and you can only get them from people that really you're careful with them and even then you're gambling they're they're hard to source in good shape kelly forman is much better okay i'm glad to hear it loving cats yes indeed (laughs) ira nelson are all tetra egg layers or is there oh are all tetras egg layers got it or is there a libera tetra as far as I know, all tetras are egg layers, but I would not be surprised if there's a freak one that's a live that I don't know about. That could happen. But as far as I know, they're all egg layers, although there are a few species that do practice uh, internal insemination, just like a live would. So, for example, the sword-tailed tetra, or sword-tailed kerosene, that I think we just sold out of. Uh, That is one that practices internal fertilization. Even though the female lays eggs, she's uh, inseminated internally. Instead of most fish, which is they expel the eggs and then the the, the milt is expelled to fertilize. So there's lots of different breeding strategies all over. That's one of the neat things about fish is that they found all kinds of reproductive strategies in fish that you didn't think would act a certain way, it's like, wow, why is that doing that? Why is there a live bearer that lays eggs? In the uh, case of some of the gudeids, like the uh, Peroon pupfish, I believe, is one that does that. It's a gudeid, it's a live bearer, but it lays eggs. And why is there a killifish, those are an egg layer, that also practices internal insemination, even though it's an annual killifish? Like, That's two bizarre things combining. First of all, the annual life cycle, that's like straight up crazy that that ever happened and was successful, right? That's an evolutionary glitch if there ever was one. The odds of that succeeding are like nothing, but there's a whole range of fish that do it. They live in temporary pools that dry up every year. They lay their eggs in the mud. The pools dry up, the fish die, but the eggs live. The next time it rains, they hatch, right? Then you have the next generation. The fact that fish have been doing that and have been successful doing that for eons and that that strategy has maintained and been successful is crazy. And then you add to that something crazy like now we're going to also be an egg layer that practices uh, internal fertilization. Like that's two impossible things that happen in one species. I'm saying impossible, you know, with a grain of salt. It's just so uniquely adapted to that one thing that the fact that it's also doing another so uniquely adapted thing to reproduce is just crazy it's fascinating chat jumped i'm scrolling scrolling like a madman but first i want to think i think i missed gary williams before he's been a member for five months thank you for being a member gary thanks for being part of the fish fam crew fish fam crew fishmonger crew Hello, fish fam. Hello, right back to you. And Caleb's Aquatics and Reptiles throwing down a generous super chat with the Pippi dude. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate you. Hope you're doing well. Scrolling here. Okay. So I'm scrolling back at, up because chat did the jumpy jumps. We've got 287 folks here. That's 286 folks here. That's not so bad. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to share this out to all your exes, we can grow the stream and make the chat extra dramatic for uh, Stephen P. 2003, who apparently likes the drama. <laughs> okay. I think this is the next one. Patricia Kloppel, could you give us a rundown on the giveaway fish tonight? Will they go. With black neons, julies, salt and pepper cories, yeah, they, they act like uh, you're run of the mill tetra. So yeah, I think they would be just fine with black neon tetras, julie cories, and salt and pepper cories, which is I think what you're saying there. So yeah, I think they'd be just fine. I've never had problems with them. There are occasional tetra species that can be a nit, a, a nit picky, a bit nippy. Bit nippy. Nit bippy. They could be a nit bippy. Um, <laughs> like Serpe Tetris, for example. So I don't know if they fall in that category. I've never experienced that. They've always been fine for me. Alexander's Aquariums. What's your favorite fish? Thanks for the video. And you can keep axolotls together. Okay, that's good to know. So that's one step in the right direction. If they were like mean to each other as adults and you had to keep one per tank, then it's like, oh, no, can't do that. My favorite fish, I don't really have one. It's whatever fish is colored up and acting fascinating that day. Because I walk around the fish warehouse, one day there'll be a rainbow fish that's fully flared up and displaying. i will be like, that's the best fish ever. And then the next day there'll be a, a tetra that's fully colored up and displaying and i'll be like that's the best fish ever and then the next day there'll be a live bear that's doing it and they, you know it, it just depends but um what i how i usually answer this question is saying it's fun to little gardener Eye, right, which is a killifish because it's the first killifish i ever bred and raised early on um a mento actually might have been the first but anyway it's one that i really sought out and had to hunt for and and then successfully bred really early on and so for for uh nostalgia. It's my favorite fish for sentimental reasons. I love you for sentimental reasons. Now that was some good singing. Speaking of singing, when we are done this stream at 830, I'm gonna head over and listen to someone who can sing. My wife, her name's Brenda, singing some Gershwin, Summertime from Porgy and Bess, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. I just put the link to that in the chat. Um and I'll do it again at the end of the stream when we're about to head over there. But if you like music and you want to hear a professional, uh that be my wife. Jacob Metzer. Chat jump. Yep. <laughs> I meant to ask you a few streams ago how you would complete compare the Super Red pulcher and Pelvicromus Sacramontis. Well the, the Super Red stays smaller. And they have some, they still have the dots on the fins. Some of them have really nice dots. They're kind of variable in that, though. Whereas if we look at some Sacramentus. Okay. Well, first of all, this says Sacramentus, but that looks like poultry to me. Oh, I gotta show you guys this. That looks like poultry to me, but I mean, I could be wrong. But, um, if you look at the sacramontis, this one has some dots on the tail. This one kind of doesn't, but you see that strong lined pattern? Yeah, that strong lined pattern with the orange belly, and I'd say generally probably less strong dotting on the tail. Wow. Look at that female. That, that's a good looking fish. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find some from like aquarium glass here because they usually do a really good job showing the details. And I don't see any from there. Here's what ours look like. Not strong dotting on the tails strong horizontal striping and then a bright red belly, sorry that picture's not the best. It was a still from a video that I probably took with like an old cell phone back in the day. So that's those, and then you've got the Pelvic achromis, um Pulcher, a little more yellow I would say in Pulcher. And I think the dotting on the fins just tends to be stronger. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm going with. But I mean they're fairly fairly similar fish. Sacrimony gets a lot bigger though. That's it, right. Sacramonti. I think the S on the end is actually silent, if I remember right. <laughs> I don't know. My Latin's not good. 291, all right. Oh, and then we dropped immediately to 288. I was gonna say, thanks for sharing it out. <laughs> I guess folks did, and the people came and were like, yeah, this ain't, uh, uh, not for me. Foxy's fishes, you can keep them together, the axolotls, provided they are given enough space and hides. A 20 long is good for one, a 40 breeder for two, and so on. It's harder to keep them together as babies, always hungry. Oh, that's maybe where I got that from watching a breeder who maybe separated babies out early on oh, that's interesting orange cones show my f2 farwella egg pick. i would but it's like on my phone so oh, i mean i'll show it i don't have it um on my laptop to show it but this is cool so orange cones is breeding farwellas <laughs> always breeding farwellas and this is neat, so there's some juveniles that she has that have bred and produced viable eggs. Not massive clutches, but nice viable eggs. And then this is a couple days later and you can see the little embryos, at least I can on my phone. You can kind of see the little head and the little embryo with the yolk underneath. Anyway, I don't have them on my, uh, on my computer, they're just on my phone so I can't really share them in a way that's high quality but i think it's awesome that you're breeding those still still would like to buy some from you i know shipping isn't for everyone though so i i get it omg i found nemo will you be getting any platinum rummy nose tetras or amazon puffers in anytime soon i plan to have some available i hope to have some available soon but uh, that's still in the works Casey Thornton, thinking about doing my first Blackwater tank, epistogramma a centerpiece. What else would you recommend in a 29-gallon? With the pistols. I would go. I would look at um, some black morpho tetras. If you can find them big enough to go with your pistols. I don't know which species of pistols you're getting, but that's a fish I really like. The black morpho tetra. Um, Whitesamnay is the species name. What is the... These guys. Long been one of my favorite fish. A true blackwater fish. Now that one might be spiced up a little bit um, in Photoshop but not much. I mean they are that yeah that looks totally normal. And this might be normal but it Maybe it looks a little saturated, but they're really beautiful fish. Oh yeah, here you go. There's them in display. Their fins all extended. So maybe something like that. Um, and then I'd probably go with a dwarf hatchet species up top. Maybe, maybe a pencil fish species, like equus or something kind of a mid-water swimmer, the Equus. So, yeah, the Black Morphos are awesome, but they're probably gonna spend more of their time towards the bottom of the tank, where the, the Epistos are also. So, I like them, but maybe what I would do is the Epistos, some Equus pencil fish, in a species of uh, pygmy hatchet up top. Yeah, that's what comes to my head. sniffing poots (laughs) I I haven't looked up poots in urban dictionary hopefully I'm not saying anything horrible I'm old enough that I wouldn't know thank you I hope they hatch their metallic yellow and blue cool yeah oh sounds awesome hope they do well for you and if you raise a bunch that's the kind of fish I'm looking for bat poppy 52 if you're ever interested i have yozakaru kura sorry yozakura gold champagne gold and lekaris madakas yeah i'm interested please email us hello at dancefish.com that's h-e-l-l-o at dancefish.com if you wouldn't mind sending us pictures of your your breeders and the babies that would be great Uh, let us know how many of each you have available and we can go from there. TK Rulick. Dan, have you ever seen the Red Cherry Tetras? Efeso Brycon Muzil. It's one of the newer Tetras coming in. Expensive for a Tetra, but really nice color. Any plans to bring them in? Yeah, as soon as I find a Tetra like that available, I, I tend to bring them in. That's one I have not yet found available. Um from a place that I trust bringing it in. Let me double check this. Wait. Is this just the new name for... This is not just the new name for the Orange Bolivian Lemon Tetra, is it? Um, yeah, I don't think so. Oh, the novel is, okay. According to Glasser, set in telling me. The novelty also bears certain resemblance to the Bolivian Orange, which in turn is placed in... Okay. In contrast to the Bolivian Orange, the Musil Red Cherry has a red caudal fin. This is transparent in Bolivian Orange. Okay, got it. So it is a different fish. I looked at that fish and I was like, that looks an awful lot like a Bolivian Orange Lemon Tetra to me. Yeah, it totally does. But yeah, that's the kind of fish I like bringing in. So when I find some available from a source that I think will do a good job, I will do that. Hunter McLaren, hey, could you give us a rundown on how to make a DIY filter floss water polisher? You mentioned it on a previous live stream. Yes, um, I would take a water bottle, I'd poke a bunch of holes in the bottom with a drill and drill a bunch of holes in the bottom maybe down in the bottom on the sides too i put just a little bit of gravel in the bottom so that it stayed upright for me so that it was weighted on the bottom i would take a pvc pipe and um so you've got i don't know an inch of thick coarse like pea gravel on the bottom i would take a pvc pipe and drop it in the top and then i drop an airline in the PVC pipe, and I'd stuff this with filter floss. Then what's going to happen is, as the water bubbles out the PVC pipe, and it's got to be tight on top, right? So there's not much space between the PVC pipe and in uh, the side, so you might have to drill a hole for the PVC pipe or something, but the PVC pipe fits snugly through the top. Water bubbles up the PVC pipe, that becomes your uplift. It, that, pressure differential draws water through the holes in the bottom and through the gravel and uh, through the filter floss and there oh actually now that I think of that if that was the design I would only drill holes in the top because then the water will go through the top down the floss and then up into the pipe but there's another way to do this where you could drill holes in the um, in the pipe itself all throughout the central PVC pipe and then it would draw from lots of different directions but if it's concentrated on the bottom there which it would be if there are no holes drilled in it it would just suck on the bottom um, in the spaces between the bottom of the pipe and the gravel it's resting on then I put the holes in the top because you want to force the water to go through that filter floss before it goes into the um, pipe there so I don't know hopefully that made sense it's not quite the perfect demonstration but I'm sure if you looked on like the King of DIY's channel you would find probably 10 videos on turning a water bottle into a water clarifying filter with filter floss. (laughs) Bunny Viper Aquatics. Dan's such a good guy except on Fridays. That's when I let the beast out. Some guy, how often should gobies like orange fin, Ariophuscus, Paluin, etc., be fed? Bought them from you, a lot. So in nature, this fish is diurnal. It's active during the day and it feeds all day long. I don't know if it feeds at night, but when the sun's out, it's eating. This is a grazer, so this is not a fish that gets big meals all at once. What it's doing is it's going around and it's grazing bits of algae bits of uh, biofilm and whatever critters are in that off of the rocks in the streams in its habitat. So think of this stream, shallow stream, lots of rocks and really high flow. The water's just, just like a rapids going over that, right? Not much is gonna be there because the current's gonna brush it all away. The only food that's gonna really build up there is algae and stuff growing on those rocks. That's what these fish are eating. It's not the highest calorie diet and they're grazing little bits all day long. They're not getting big meals. So you wanna mimic that. You wanna give the fish frequent feedings or access to food that is water stable so they can graze on it over a period of time because they're not a fish that generally does a good job at eating a big meal. If you don't do that, they're gradually gonna waste away. So give them food that lasts a long time that they can graze on. Now, one of our secrets to being successful with uh, stifidon-type gobies is when they're first brought in, as we're training them to eat water-stable pellets and rapashi and you know foods that will stay for a while, we feed them frozen bloodworms because that's something they will eat readily all at once. But that's not a long-term solution maybe once a week you can supplement, supplement their diet with that. But that's really high protein, and that's not a long-term diet that they'll, they'll thrive on. So we do that for the first few days though, just because they've gone through a lot of stress, get some calories in them, they'll eat that without any problems. If they're a smaller species, we actually feed baby brine shrimp as well. Because as that settles on the bottom, they'll graze that off. But pretty quickly, we get them on water-stable um, algae wafers, we get them on different kinds of pellets, so that we can put that in, and that pellet will be water stable for several hours, and that whole time they can just graze away at it. The other thing we do is uh, we have like plates and pipes and other things throughout our aquariums that grow algae on them, and if we have one that's got a nice coat of algae on it, we can take that, put it in the tank, and that'll give the on something neat to munch on. You can do the same thing like in a jar in your window. Throw some water in there, throw some rocks in there, uh, let some algae grow on it and then take them out and, and put them in for your fish to, to graze on. So that's, that's my experience with the gobies. Lots of food in front of them for long periods of time so they can graze. But also water-stable stuff that isn't going to break down and pollute your tank before they can eat it all. And also I, I never keep them with really fast eaters that are going to compete with them for food because they do need t- dwell time with the food. They need long periods of grazing time. And there's a lot of fish that if you put a pellet in there, they'll just eat it all real quick and there won't be any left. There's no time for the stifadons to get to it, those gobies, to get to it, to graze away. Wooden, wooden aquedont, <laughs> oh geez, why is this so hard to say? Wooden aquanut, there we go. <laughs> To get accurate info about airport, check out Flight Trader 24. Learn how to read MEDAR info for a very accurate weather report for the airport in question. Okay, I'm going to make a note. I don't know about this yet. Flight. I mean, there are sites I use. Flight Radar 24. Learn how to read. Learn to read. Meter. Okay. Thanks for the hint. The Lone Aquarist. I love seeing your channel and business grow. Are you going full QT on all fish you sell? Yeah, we've always done that. We always will do that. Absolutely. No fish is sold for at least two weeks from the time it gets to us. No fish is shipped for at least two weeks from the time it gets to us. Like, if it's if we got them on Monday. They go that whole week and they're doing great and they go the whole next week and they're doing great but we get to that friday and it's like well we're not going to ship them again until monday so we might listen for sale that friday but we we never sell a fish send a fish two weeks before we've had it so if there's a problem within the first two weeks we can catch it and not send the fish some fish it takes a lot longer but yeah we always have done that and we always will It's the only way for fish to recover sufficiently from transport that their immune system recovers so that they don't die for our customers. Like it would be a huge disservice if we ever just got fish in and sold them without doing quarantine. So we will always do that because we want the fish's immune system to have time to recover before we sell them. For instances like this, Rosie's asking, how are the clown killifish doing? Not well. So that's a fish that we've been keeping for several weeks, hoping that they'll recover and do well and that we can send them, but they're not. The problem, however, did not manifest until we'd had the fish for quite some time, and so if we hadn't quarantined, we would have sold them all to our customers. They might have even arrived alive and in in seemingly good shape for our customers, but then they would have started dying on you a few days after you had them. So um, that's why we do that. It is 8.12. I think we're going to do the giveaway. There's 280 folks here. That's not not too bad for this little engine that could, especially considering I didn't even build this live stream and post it up until like 3 p.m. this afternoon just because of how nutso things have been (laughs) this last week, this last seven days. So 280 is not bad at all. Let's go ahead and do our giveaway. So the giveaway is for a, a nice little group of diamond tetras. Ours are doing fantastic. I think they'll thrive for you. They're just getting to the size where the biggest ones are starting to demonstrate the diamond scales. But not all of them are. Some of them still look like this, right? They, they aren't quite there yet. But then others are starting to look like this. Very nice. So, let's draw those. We have 182 folks entered to win, and the winner is Jess Sweet, Jess Sweet 49. You have two minutes to leave a comment and let us know that you're here because you do have to be present to win. So to claim your winnings, Jess Sweet 49, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, throwing down a quick comment. You have two minutes to do that. If you don't do that in two minutes, then you forfeit your winnings, and we'll draw someone else. And thanks for being subscribed. We appreciate that. While we're waiting for Jess Sweet to chime in, I'm going to go ahead and get another question or comment. Okay, Chevy Fish posting where you can get the merch on the YouTube channel. So I guess I should, you know, pay a bill here real quick. So. It's pretty easy to find the merch, you just go to the channel, you scroll over to store, you click store, and you can see the latest, the merch for January, which is the Guppy design. We also have the standard Dan's Fish, Killifish design, that's our logo. Uh, That'll always be available, but these custom designs, uh, limited edition designs, the FOMO designs change every month. So the Guppy is available until uh, the end of this month, and then it switches to a different design, and I can't wait to show it to you. It's a pretty cool one. All chat jumped. So, oh, let's see if. Uh, All right, just sweet forty nine. It says I'm here. Congratulations, you have won some diamond tetras. The next thing we need you to do is uh, email us at hellodancefish. Hello, sorry. Email us at hello at dancefish.com that's h-e-l-l-o at dancefish.com 15 more minutes I can do it so tired and uh, let us know your first name your last name and your shipping address we just need to know who we're sending to and where to send them and then we'll get a a shipping plan together and a a shipping date together with you and send them off to you now we do require that that email be sent within 24 hours Uh, so do that within the next 24 hours Jess and you will have One, congratulations, and thanks for playing, thanks for being here, thanks for participating. I'm scrolling because chat jumped. Again. Oh wow, it really did. Fantastic Freaks is the next one I can see. I've been bouncing around, asking different people's opinions, but I'm setting up a 510 gallon tank, oh, that sounds awesome, for a Maboo Puffer. What wattage heater would you suggest and how many total heaters? Oh, man, fantastic. I'm, I wonder if I'm the right person to answer that question. Just because the way I run and have run my fish rooms for so long has been I heat the room, not the tank. I suppose it depends on how warm the room is that the fish is going to be in. I can tell you a couple principles. I'm not going to recommend a specific wattage, but here's a couple principles to keep in mind. If a heater, the heater's going to fail at some point. If it fails while it's on, it can cook your puffer, and that can happen pretty quickly. If it fails while it's off, while the heater's cold, then the tank's going to gradually cool down, and it's more likely your puffer survives that than the heater being stuck on, I think. So that's something to keep in mind. The second thing to keep in mind is you probably want the like a really gnarly heater, one that's that's tough and more or less shatterproof. And so I would recommend getting a hold of Gemco.com and uh, talking to them about their titanium heaters. I have used those in the past in a case where I had to heat 350 gallons. Of water twice a day every day for my discus. So I had a big container, 350 gallon container, um, I would fill it with water, I would heat it and gas it off and stuff, change the water on the discus, and then I would do it again and I did that morning and night. So it's a, a thousand watt titanium heater was able to do that without any problem. The other thing to keep in mind is there are thermostats that you can plug your heater into. So, ideally what you would have is some type of redundancy where you have a heater, you can set the temperature, you can put that in the water, and that is plugged into a thermostat that has its own separate temperature sensor so that if the heater ever started getting too hot, let's say it failed on, the thermostat will shut the heater off. So let's say you have the heater set for, um, I don't know, let's call it 78 degrees. Okay, and you get it to the dialed in to where it keeps it right there, and then you have a thermostat that's set at 82 degrees, and the heater's plugged into the thermostat, and the thermostat has its own little sensor in the aquarium. So the heater is sensing temperature and keeping it at 78 degrees. The thermostat is sensing, sensing temperature and keeping it, wants to keep it at 82 degrees. So it's continually feeding power to the heater. Once the the heater heats to 78 degrees, it shuts off. So the heater's doing the regulating. Unless it fails on, in which case the heat rises above 82 degrees, then the thermostat shuts off that heater. Something like that. Or maybe it's a titanium heater. A lot of them don't have heat controls. You have to plug them into a thermostat or a heat controller. Um, Maybe you could plug that into a heat controller, and then for redundancy plug that heat controller into a second one. Something like that. But I would... I'd really highly recommend some kind of redundancy. The reason a lot of folks use undersized heaters and maybe multiple of those instead of a pro- properly, instead of a single heater that can do the load, is because if an undersized heater fails and it fails on, it's going to take a lot longer to cook your fish and you have longer to notice it. Let's see, uh, four undersized heaters in the tank. Um, and they're keeping the tank at the right temperature, one fails on, it's small. It's going to take it longer to heat. Or if it fails off, the three other heaters can probably keep up until you realize there's a problem. The issue with that is unless you can plug all of these heaters into a heat controller and have them set exactly at the same temperature they're going to fight each other it's hard to get four separate heaters to uh all be set at the exact same temperature one's always going to be set a little higher than the other and all that so one's going to end up doing a lot more work and it it, that can be a mess but it is an option the con though is how do you get all four to work exactly together without fighting each other because of those differentials maybe there's a, a thermostat if you will Uh, heat controller is maybe a better term than thermostat in this case that you could use that you could plug them all into or something like that. So those are the kind of thoughts and principles. Um, Colleen Jemco is not a bad option. They're a wealth of knowledge and they really helped me when I had to figure out the right heater and system for my 350 gallon uh, discus water uh, storage container. So That's my thoughts. Mr. B's CPDs would love to learn how to ship fish, have over 100 red laser rainbows. Oh, I would love to buy all those from you. From your stock, Skull Creek's, Dwarf... Man, you're making me drool. You're talking my language here, Mr. B's. Dwarf Neons Luminatus. And of course, hundreds of CPDs. Yeah, um, I'm willing to help you, Mr. Bees, because I would love to make that work and be able to source fish from you regularly. If you would send us an email, um, please start with the YouTube channel and the videos we have on the topic. But what I would be happy to do is set up some dummy shipments, some mock shipments, where you pack up a box. as if you were gonna ship fish to us, you just don't put the fish in the box, but the, the bags are there with the water and the oxygen and the heat packs and all that. And we can put in a, a sensor that can uh, record the temperature throughout that box's journey. And we can do that, see how it went, and if there's problems, correct them until we get to the point where it's like, yeah, okay, this is, uh, now Mr. B's comfortable with this, now we can add fish to the shipments. So. There's things we can do to help help work you through that, especially if you can become a long-term source of hobbyist-bred fish for us. That is exciting to me. So I would like to make that happen. U.S. scaper. U.S. Not scraper. <laughs> you missed an opportunity to make it diamond hands. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Lisa Rice, do you like amphibians? Yeah, I love all animals. I'm an animal nerd. I have I used to, I built an aviary when I was, I don't know. Random Arms, do you remember that aviary we built in the backyard? Yeah. I was like 13, yeah. 14, yeah. I was like, I was a, This was before I really got into fish. So maybe I was 12. Um, I had a friend that had a lumber mill and had a bunch of scrap lumber from it and just chorus lumber. Went up. Loaded the truck, brought it back, built myself a little aviary. I kept and bred cockatiels and parakeets and diamond doves and button quail and zebra finches and stuff like that. Um, I've kept and bred lots of reptiles over the years. Anything from colubrids to chameleons to horned lizards, uh, different types of anoles. uh, I love all that stuff. Whites, tree frogs... uh, nukes, all that stuff. Yeah, I like all that stuff. I, when it comes to animals, I mean, I love them all. Just fish are the ones that uh, take most of the boxes for me. Here's what happens: any animal I really get into, I get clectoritis. Right? There's so many cool ones. I'm like, I can't live without all of them. And the animal that it's easiest for me to actually properly care for and do right by the animal and still have large numbers of them like different varieties and see all kinds of them and be able to observe them and, and breed them and raise them and enjoy them is fish um, I like all the others but I at one time probably had six types of birds going and that was the max I could handle I wanted many many more um, but but couldn't handle it Reptiles, I forget how many I had at one time, but it got to a point where I was like I can't do any more or or I couldn't take care of them properly and I still want more, but I can't do that. So with fish, um, I can keep lots of them and and still care for them properly more than any other type of animal I've ever kept. So, yeah, I like all animals. It's 826. We're gonna shut this down. I want to thank everyone for being here. First, my moderators. For doing what they do. Thank you. Next, to the members of the Fish, Fish Fam, why do we call it because I'm tired, that's why. The Fishmonger Crew. It's not the Fish Fam crew, although that's worthy too, but the Fishmonger crew, thanks for being a member of the channel. Really appreciate it. That little bit of recurring revenue every month adds up as we grow the memberships and it really does help our little startup business uh, as we're in the startup stage. So most most appreciated. Everyone that threw money at us, thanks for the super chats. Everyone that left a question or comment, thanks for participating. If you are lurking, hail the lurker nation. If you're listening to the replay, hello from the past. And if you're listening on the podcast, once I can finally get these posted to the podcast, it's been crazy busy, but I'll get to that, then thanks for listening. Um, We're going to head over and listen to my wife sing a little song. I'll post a link for that right here. That's where I'm gonna head. And again, it's summertime, a Gershwin song from Porgy and Bess. I don't know, two, three minutes long, so if you feel like hanging out, I'll see you there. Otherwise, I'll be back next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. I sincerely hope that you have a great week. See you then, bye bye. This is where I sit awkwardly for a bit so that I don't cut off the stream too early. I uh, do it